1: Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the plain but ambitious fame seeker of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles, some of whom could use socks that scream when they get too smelly. My name is Sarah. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
0: Feeling thoroughly spoken for right now.
1: <laughs> I feel like every time socks come up, in the, as they frequently do in this podcast, Spencer, that you are on board with all of the sock-related things.
0: You rang? Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: I, w- I wondered if you were going with that or personally attacked. It was like a 50-50 at that point.
1: Well, it was I
0: embrace
1: <laughs> personal one way or the other.
0: What can I hide about the sock thing at this point? I've left pounds of the damn things at everybody's house in this community. Uh-huh. It's, it's not something I can deny. I'm just going to embrace it.
1: Well, we are today embracing chapter 27 of the fourth book of Harry Potter called Padfoot Returns. We have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap. We have uh, BJ's wizard wheezes, newbies notes with Spencer. We award house points. And then there are questions, queries, qualms, quibbles, um, all of those things, or none of them. None of them would be fine. And then we can all go home.
0: So... to make it through the first step, we need a prediction from you as to the amount of time you will need in your recap. Are you going for uh, just an under two minutes, or do you have a goal?
1: Um, something tells me that it, at some point in writing these notes, I did in fact have a goal.
0: <laughs> I have, the time has passed. I have
1: no recollection of what said goal might have been, or how confident I was in said goal. I think um, you yeah. should
2: be overly confident in whatever goal you think you had. Uh, I think you can do it in one, thirty-seven.
1: Okay, well, you're not in charge that. of making the goals anymore, AJ. <laughs> <EJ. laughs>
2: I have all the confidence in you.
1: <laughs> sorely
2: misplaced. Mm.
1: Um. Well, why? Why not? We are uh, in the realm of lovable mischief makers. Uh, if aging mischief, mischief makers, uh, I will take my standard bet of 155
0: (laughs) fine enough Bet is written down the timer is ready Mm
1: -hmm.
0: whenever you are
1: harry leaves ron to tell the details of the lake can we start that again i'm really sorry yes yes (laughs) my syntax in these notes tripped me up for a minute Harry leaves Ron to tell the details of the lake to anyone who asks, which Ron is thrilled to do. Sirius sends a note telling Harry to meet him on the road to Hogsmeade with food. They're distracted by Malfoy and co gathered around Pansy Parkinson's copy of Witch Weekly, which prominently features uh, the story Harry Potter's Secret Heartache. Rita Skeeter's at it again, and now she's cooked up a story of Hermione's playing Harry and Crumb off each other, possibly with the use of love potions. Hermione rightly calls it rubbish, but she is interested in how Skeeter knew that Crumb asked her to visit him over the summer. Snape comes in, deducting points all around. When he sees the article, he can't help but do a reading before separating them for the duration of class. Snape has some choice words for Harry about how very unspecial he actually is. He thinks Harry's been stealing from his store cupboard, boomslang skin, and gillyweed. One of those is true by proxy. Snape ends the conversation by threatening him with Veritaserum, which he is certainly not allowed to use on students, but Harry is appalled at the sheer number of damning things that could come out of him. But Karkarov interrupts urgently needing to talk to Snape. He shows Snape his arm, telling him it's clearer than it's ever been. Snape cuts him off. On the Hogsmeade trip, Dobby does get socks. They meet Sirius in animagus form and follow him to a cave in the mountains where he's got Buckbeak. When he transforms, he looks terrible, but he's excited to see Harry and four chicken. He's been concerned about Harry's letters and the stories about Barry uh, Barty Crouch and Bertha Jorkins going missing. Sirius has a lot of questions about what happened at the World Cup with Crouch and Winky in the box seats and Harry's missing wand. He's particularly interested in Bagman's movements throughout the evening and his insistence on keeping Harry with the, uh, helping Harry with the tasks now. Hermione keeps bringing up Crouch's ab- abhorrent treatment of Winky, and Sirius thinks she's got his number. Crouch sent Sirius to Azkaban without a trial. He was supposed to be next minister of magic, but the anxiety and paranoia of the Wizard of War got to him. He authorized all kinds of atrocities to catch dark wizards and fight Voldemort, but then his own son got caught with Death Eaters trying to restore Voldemort to power. Crouch threw the book at him and he died in Azkaban. It was the end of his rise. Sirius doesn't have any more insight on why Dumbledore trusts Snape either, but he was never accused of being a Death Eater, even if he was into the dark arts. Ron's supposed to find out more about Crouch and Jorkins. They finally take off back to the school with lingering questions about Percy. Whew
0: close it was a close
1: one it. <laughs> it was a close one i was one... going to say
2: you you benefited a lot from spencer's reaction time
1: <laughs> yes well i have i've have... i'm an old man <laughs> i have not benefited before so <laughs> i think it's all a wash uh for the listeners out there 15928 i think you got which it which counts as two points um thank you for allowing me a mulligan on that start i don't know what <laughs> i thought i was saying bj what are we wheezing about Um, Or more correctly, what are you wheezing about and the rest of us considering?
2: I feel like mer-morons would have been a lot more entertaining than (laughs) mer-idiots. It just seems like, you know, low-hanging fruit, it's there. Just take advantage of it. It's fine. (laughs) Um, We are deep in the seaweeds for this one, BJ. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, by by the end of this, you know, I might be underwater. Uh, So... I just have to, I have a qualm, and I know this isn't for questions, but this isn't a question. This is not a a thing that I'm curious about. This is Hermione is reading a magazine during class. That <laughs> That is not a thing that would ever happen, given who Hermione is and what has happened so far.
1: I would normally agree with you. This is not...
2: This not is not normal un... Hermione behavior. I understand it's extenuating circumstances, but
1: no, it's it's not an unfair point. What I will um, tell you is that what we we have gotten hints of it before um, in previous chapters related to Rita Skeeter and Hermione's feelings about Rita Skeeter in this book. Um, but what we are seeing right now is the real um, the real descent into obsession. Mm. that hermione has has shown she has a a a predilection for so
2: (laughs) so hermione goes on spencer spirals got it Mm, mm,
1: um yeah more to come next chapter i will say about this particular point so while this might seem out of character now it is in fact um
2: a change in the character
1: deeply in character with hermione's spew like tendencies so
2: (laughs) go ahead spencer
0: There have also been some interesting indications throughout this book that her two best friends don't necessarily have a firm grasp on what what Hermione's capable of or the full range of what she is.
1: Or what she's she's going to choose to care about in any given moment.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So
2: the article itself (laughs) is great because in the first sentence we get a boy like no other, <laughs> comma, perhaps M-dash, yet a boy suffering all the usual pangs of adolescence, comma, writes Rita Skeeter. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest thing. She is talking about herself in the third person, or her quill is. <laughs> this is hilarious insanity. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I, it's just a... It's great. It, you know, it. It this, this is... Uh, you know, Captain's Log kind of style thing. This is hilarious insanity. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: Wh- uh, I- I Witch mean, Weekly I- seems to have like a weird style guide that they're working out on.
2: Yes. Um, also, the appearance of Scarlet Woman seems very muggle as opposed to wizarding. And I found that very interesting. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe uh, they also read the Scarlet Letter in...
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: There, that's inflicted on them in the same age group? Yes. Um, I was briefly but, but confusing there's...
1: the Scarlet Letter with the Crucible and thinking that maybe it was just, like, from the opposite point of view. <laughs> no.
0: No. No. Same era. Very different purpose. Um,
2: I do appreciate Veritas Serum. Uh-huh. It was entertaining. It, you know, it, it worked well enough. I have many questions about its existence, which I know I will save for later, but... It is problematic in, in plot ways more than anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's when when exactly was this book being written? Were we getting uh, the like Watergate, or I mean the uh, the torturegate scandals coming out in the early two uh, no. thousands at this point?
0: This was two thousand. This is pre nine eleven. Oh
1: man! Yeah. Well,
0: um, someone got is. out their
1: divination ball and
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, Sirius has. Has has my heart. He he is very deft and and quick with his really terrible puns, and I like how nobody acknowledges it. It is very perfect. But he, in referencing Harry's last letter, presumably about the uh, the second task, uh, your last letter ellipses. Well, let's just say things are getting fishier. It is. It 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 is perfection, um, and you know he he like had that that pointed look in a dog form, and it was great. <laughs> I, I like to imagine uh, him giving the pointed look to Buckbeak at this moment, <laughs> and Buckbeak looks back, and everybody else is just like, I have no idea what's going on. Why why would things be fishy? Mm-hmm.
0: I enjoy also throughout this conversation that no no one else is responding. Nobody else is even politely chuckling. He's still smiling up a storm whenever he says these things. Uh-huh. He's really amused with himself when he's making these little jokes or references. As he should be. I see nothing wrong with this. Uh-huh. It's a
1: little more understandable, BJ, when he's been in prison for 12 years and alone. You do it anyway. <laughs> Two people and... arriving at the same point,
0: one through re- Dementor-induced madness. <laughs>
1: That's a thing to uh, ponder but, on later.
2: That's pretty much all I have for, for the for the wheezes. This was a, uh, as, as we often have in conversation-heavy chapters that aren't uh, in the muggle world, mm. there, there aren't that many entertaining bits and bobs. But I'm suspecting that, that our newbie, and I guess I am part and parcel
0: for that, has some notes. We, we shall work together in this regard. Uh, point number one, Ron tells stories the same way I do. <laughs> St- it starts with the slightest little grain of truth and then just goes in all kinds of fun Herodotus directions in terms of recounting history. There is a really fun short story this year, or
2: it's a novella, so I don't think we're actually going to be really reading it, called Two Truths and a Lie. That uh-huh. That is you, Spencer. I kind of want to make your parents read it and then let th- them be like, yep, this is Spencer. <laughs> it's interesting that the main character is female. I don't know why they changed that, but...
0: Otherwise, on point. I'll have to check that one out. Is that, uh, a, is that?
1: a Hugo nominee? Uh,
0: I believe so. Okay. Cool. Um, but I, I enjoy that he's almost immediately called out and just returns back to the truth for fear of being outed fully. <laughs> well,
1: uh,
2: I think it's not for fear of being outed fully. I think it's who calls him out. Hermione. Mm-hmm. And his weakness for I apparently no longer buck teeth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Her nose is straight. Um, her teeth are normally sized. Her hair well, what, is bushes. What else can you want from, 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 from somebody being attractive? Who
2: knows?
0: Yeah. Uh, Rita's account of Hermione is hilarious just because of what it tells us about Rita. That <laughs> Hermione just kind of mildly sassed her. And
1: this woman wrote this abject takedown piece on a 14-year-old. Scorched earth. Scorched earth. It's- what she doesn't realize is that Hermione comes back twice as hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is one of those classic you know cartoon moments of where I'll have you know this means war <laughs> but it's just hilarious to me that this presumably grown woman I'm not going to say mature because we have no evidence of that just feels the need to write in a major article one of the few periodicals we apparently have in the Wizarding World a complete trash teardown piece for a student at Hogwarts mm-hmm. Stephen referred to her as like you know a plain but otherwise unremarkable young girl <laughs> or something like that <laughs> it's like, How petty are you? Uh, Hermione takes the absolute right to act in responding to it the same way she always does. Give no public reaction and plot murder in your own head. Mm -hmm. This is their mighty way of handling things, and it clearly frustrates the Slytherins to no end. They were ready. They were invested. They were hanging on every potential word that was going to come out of her mouth, and she gave them nothing. Mm -hmm. Ron and Harry need to take notes on how to address and respond to the Slytherins. They have the maturity of seven-year-old bullies in the playground. Remember this. Uh, Snape, on the other hand, I think our trio can be reassured he's not out to kill Harry. Utterly destroy him socially. Very different question. Mm -hmm. Snape does the classic teacher routine of, oh, you're passing notes in class? Let me read it aloud to everyone. Except this time it's an article in a a magazine. (laughs) And delights in you providing color commentary as he does go through it. Snape, if we needed any other reason to debate it, is a dick. And as much as he. Mm -hmm. Target hit.
2: I was going to say, like, Snape flirts with, like, institutional evil. Like, he Mm. may not be book evil, which, you know, has been basically proven time and time again, but, like, he's institutionally evil i mean like he clearly has favorites he clearly has the opposite
0: um it's weird too because one of the things that clearly sets him off is just that harry's the center of attention that everything's revolving around harry that he's cultivating this just legion of followers around him that everyone's obsessed with harry but you go into his rant on the subject and i'm like snape dude you're the one that's obsessed with harry yeah. Yeah. You, he is living rent free inside your head all the time. Yeah. You have worked out these elaborate ponderings and scenarios of how Harry is actively working to screw you over and mess with you at all times. Fun fact you're more right than you may even know, <laughs> but it's not really focused at you. You're kind I mean, of incidental it's not really on to it. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Snape really reminds me of the quote uh, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference.
1: Yes
0: It it, it was a great moment of when, you know Snape's confronting Harry over all these things And it's like, Snape, you are factually correct You are completely wrong in the motivations of the intent At every step of this Yes, Yes, Harry did that thing But if you ask him literally in the way you just asked it He can answer honestly, no I do not (laughs) Uh, Unlike you BJ Serum. I'm super pronouncing that roughly correct is again, Jacob Rowling be lazy about naming things? This is just truth serum. It's Latin-y. Yes. Um,
2: I mean, and like, but that's better than other. things. like a little bit of effort. Yes, it's just Latin. You happen to be in a profession that that giggles over Latin. And, you know, not everybody has that. And for a fourteen-year-old, it's it's a little bit more than,
0: you know. I'll remind you that Hobbit's a children's book where he basically invented two languages for it. Yeah, yeah and I don't need I that kind of energy.
1: Like, <laughs> sometimes I appreciate it. I need, I need the sort of vaguely dissociated enough that it's interesting. I think I'm with Bj on this. Vaguely dissociated enough that it's interesting, but is still like recognizable. I don't need to well, do the, the legwork here. The,
0: The purpose of this is that it's an end joke that everyone's going to chuckle at. Even kids are going to recognize enough of the words that they're Mm going to be able to laugh at this. Um, It also is, when J.K. Rowling wants to do, you know, this is going to be relevant later in the plot, there are just giant flashing warning (laughs) signs associated with a particular concept or word. (laughs) And this seems to fit into that category very strongly.
1: Uh, Never heard of it before. When you highlight that it is heavily regulated by the Ministry, it is most certainly going to come up again at a later date. When Snape says something
0: is restricted access, every time that has happened it is going to be integrally important to the plot before this book is done.
1: How many times have we gone to the restricted section of the library over the course of these books?
0: Enough that they should have, in any reasonable world, been caught at this point, mm-hmm. other than Dumbledore constantly intervenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karkaroff is getting even more rattled, to the point that he's willing to even appear rattled in front of an entire class of students. This is a guy that's apparently at the end of his rope for how much he is desperate for have Snape's support for whatever the hell is happening, because... This is getting to the point that even these kids that are just almost willfully unaware of what's going on in the world are going to be taking notes at some point, or at least have a godfather that's going to do it for them.
2: But on, on the other hand, I feel like he comes from a place where no one questions teachers in the way that they do at Hogwarts. So there, there mm-hmm. is the, I like, I feel like there's this expectation that they would just completely ignore it. And most of them do, honestly. Like, Harry is the only one that's
0: sort of, like, checking it out. And... and it's by conscious effort rather than just absorbing it or anything else. Yeah, right. It's very much a British boarding school kind of teacher-student relationship. There are almost a different class system that's in play in terms of interacting with them. Uh, the image of Sirius just being the best boy ever carrying a, 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 carrying a paper to the trio is just lovely. And I'm going to have a really hard time not referring to him as Snuffles going forward because he's insisted. Well. I mean, he's the squarest dog that you've ever seen. That is a blocky dog. That is a Tetris block of a dog. Um, I had, shows how my memory works, I had completely forgotten that Buckbeak and Sirius were together. The man flew Mm -hmm. away on Buckbeak's back. But I was like, hey, sure, Sirius is off on his own. No, he's had a friend the entire time. And they're apparently not murdering each other. Mm Uh, serious offhand little joke about how, you know, it's been a hard, it's been hard finding food, but, but I've been eating rats though. And then just smiling beamingly to them. Like that's just nothing out of the normal. This is a guy that's had a really hard few years here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'd probably, he didn't get to chow down on the rat that he'd prefer, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, he tried real hard. Okay. BJ clever. Well done. Uh, Sirius's comment that, you know, only you three and Dumbledore know I'm so I'm fine, is just such the line of, well, Dumbledore totally knows I'm here, but he doesn't care. It's not like Dumbledore's <laughs> yeah. going to report me. Well, but it's also interesting because a couple
2: other people know that are problematic. But,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Well, one that isn't problematic,
0: Lupin.
1: Right. And
0: Wormtail, who... I-, I think the way he meant it was, are here right now. Right. yeah. Uh, yeah, those guys are totally a problem, and Wormtail may be a lot closer than he thinks, based on right. what we saw at the beginning of this book. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll see. And Moody knows, almost oh, definitely. Uh, Moody knows everything that
2: he wishes to know. But he also has the map, so... Well, but the map has the only map? Has, has Hogwarts on grounds on it. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know if it like included Hogsmeade.
1: No, okay. it's just within it's just the castle and maybe part of the grounds i don't even like i don't think that forbidden forest is completely encompassed in it because that would be we would be getting like well beyond the um sort of triple a map in the, that doesn't fold up anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and that, that that's a good thing for you to point out because i'd always kind of imagined my mind that it was a roving mini map that followed them around wherever they were mm. but it's really not that it is a fixed, written, bounds-drawn map that objects move in between.
1: Yeah, so it, it really is just um, just the castle and part of the grounds. Um, so Sirius, like, very pointedly would not be showing up on it at this point, which I am sure that he knows.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sirius's role for most of this chapter is essentially to reassert and condense details and reorganize details that the, our main cast have already you know, been exposed to, but haven't really put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Including such things as, let's ponder who the thief was. (laughs) Harry, you lost a wand. Who was present that could have taken it? Mm -hmm. Put together the Malfoys, Winky, Fudge, the Bulgarians, or Bagman. And our main trio so aggressively poo poo the idea that it could be Bagman that Sirius feels the need to say, wait, 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 wait. This may make more sense than you're pondering, reader, (laughs) reader, pay attention, reader.
1: Harry, Ron, and Hermione are real good at thesis, antithesis, real bad at synthesis. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: a wonderful way of putting that. Um, Somebody,
2: I think, read some Agatha Christie between book three and book four (laughs) and uh, (laughs) needed to have an exposition. We
1: have a Poirot-like character here. Yes, Yes.
2: we we, we have a Poirot-like character and the like, a bumbling detective that, or, or inspector or whatever that he's helping that's mm-hmm. just like, well, mm-hmm. we have these people, and it's just like, wait a minute, like, hold on a second. Like, you haven't reviewed everything.
0: Here are my notes. Like, let's go point by point. It is it is laying it on a little bit thick that we need to be paying attention to Bagman to even have, you know, a serious say with respect to why Bagman would be helping Harry to even just say out loud, I wonder why he would do that, question mark. Yeah, It's like, okay, mental note, you come back to this, as well as in, noting the various inconsistencies with respect to Bagman's portrayal of Bertha Jorgens, which was interesting.
1: Yes, everybody's
0: been, everybody's been kind of previously portraying Bertha Jorgens as being a flighty white, uh, lightweight and really buying this official narrative that, eh, she just goes missing every now and then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Ceres apparently knew her from back in school and it's like, mm, she had a memory like an iron trap when it came to gossip at least, so some of this doesn't really match. Yeah. That is useful, and it's all the more reason that they should start pondering Bagman now, as being more involved in this. Sirius's take on Crouch is also bringing some personal knowledge to bear that is fascinating. Uh, So, Crouch was the one that personally convicted him and sentenced him into, uh, well, a world of Dementor pain, uh, and as we get some wonderful lines in Sirius in terms of discussing this. Like, in terms of Crouch's treatment of Winky, the classic philosophical line of, if you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Great line. Very apparent with Crouch. Very well Ho- underlined in the Kindle version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sirius homing in on the various inconsistencies and what Crouch has been doing in terms of recent events. That he keeps coordinating these big affairs that he's going to take part in and then pieces out at the last second and disappears while they're happening until some the last minute occurrence. Like in terms of both the World Cup and now the Triwizard Tournament. Mm-hmm. Neither of those match any prior thing he's ever seen out of Crouch before. And oh yeah, Crouch also sentenced his own son to essentially the guillotine.
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting series of events that we get that sort of shine a very uh, dim light, as it were, uh on on what happened during the Voldemort times and like how much power was granted Mm -hmm. to just unenforcer to just like okay well we're gonna basically sentence a bunch of people to death oh whoops I got my son in it well whatever like this needs to be taken care of I mean it's very much a uh oh you have an infection in your leg well let's take both just to be sure Um, you don't need them that much.
1: Yeah, there's actually, like, a lot of work that's being done in a really brief portion of this chapter to not only characterize Barty Crouch and, like, his particular, um, neuroses and anxieties around dark wizards, um, and we get a little bit more illumination on this idea that, like, well, nobody, Moody's, um, Mm -hmm. comment, like, well, I hate a dark wizard, but nobody hates a dark wizard more than Barty Crouch does, um, but it also like does a lot of work on exactly to your point, BJ, telling us sort of like how problematic the wizard wars really got on all fronts. Yeah. Um, yeah, And
2: I mean, it's sort of interesting because like we have these unforgivable curses and like exactly what you're saying, like Barty crouch was just like, all right, well let's just start tossing them left and right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of a very problematic and, and, interesting look at like what blurs where's the line between good and evil Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. like pursuing evil is clearly evil like you're you're clearly catching up innocence and you know how how are you okay with this Mm -hmm. and it's sort of interesting that like i mean crouch it is no longer in like the the meteoric rise that he seemed to be but like still powerful he's yeah he's still powerful he's not like shuddering in his own like how could i have done this
1: and he's still really well respected i think we get from um you know from his appearance at the world cup and things like that like he didn't and maybe he's built it back up by just being uber competent at his at his job but like from the evidence that we get people in the ministry don't even really look sideways at him
0: and it's important to note how Sirius describes how he got moved to its current position. He doesn't describe it as a demotion. He describes it as being moved in parallel. Mm-hmm. That he expected a promotion. He expected to be the uh, head, head of the Ministry of Magic. Mm-hmm. Instead, he was just moved to a position of equal power and authority, but outside of, like, direct enforcement of the law kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's he's no longer running the police department. He's instead handling international relations. Yeah. yeah, He's the Secretary of State. It's still a big deal.
2: Yes. I know this is a little bit out of... Uh turn but do we know who the head of the ministry of magic is
1: cornelius fudge so,
0: fudge okay mm-hmm. that's right
1: mm-hmm. thank
2: you um mm-hmm.
0: but some of my favorite moments in these stories so far is having these adults that survived the with the great wizarding war or voldemort's war whatever else talk about it mm-hmm. describe the feelings describe the fears describe just the omnipresent dread that they were all draped in throughout all of this the desperation the uncertainty the constantly not even knowing what's going to happen the next days. You're going about your what would be a normal civilian life. That is great. The emotion that's seeped in that. You really get into their heads for how somebody like Crouch would be given these kind of dictatorial powers just out of everybody's fear. Mm-hmm. That he effectively just invoked wartime powers as... A, and I know. think it's even like further than that and I think the
2: maybe the best reference to our history, which is super problematic is the internment camps
0: it, it's a mix between internment camps and people like say lincoln uh, getting rid of habeas corpus mm-hmm. uh it is when things are going to hell a president a, a person in position of power can be given a lot of authority to respond and address that and crouch decided to fight violence with violence and it was clear yeah. that he was
1: like supported in the strongman position by a lot of people in the wizarding world
0: and would have been up until this date through to date in terms of popular perception, if the events with his son hadn't come to light mm-hmm. and and that seems much more like a we can't believe that this was somebody in your house,
2: not like you caught up somebody innocent mm-hmm. it, it, it's much it's it's sort of even more problematic this way because it's it's everybody was okay what he was doing and still support what he was doing. They just question him
0: because of his association it, it seemed like he got sniped from both sides yeah he got questioned from his association and then he also got questioned on the brutality of convicting his son his son immediately dying yeah. his wife dying in pain there afterwards that's the kind of thing that both sides are going to say you're already a controversial figure this is how we bring you down by any means or method um but it, it's it's a fascinating account of just crouch as the zealous enforcer of the law And how he chose to go about that and just the bodies left in his wake as he did so. Including his own son. It's one of those things of where they're leaving it ambiguous whether Crouch's son was actually guilty or not. But he was in the immediate company of Death Eaters. And one of the key things we've received knowledge of before is that Sirius maintained his sanity by knowledge of his innocence. It's one of the things we heard before. Yes. And him describing what happened to Crouch's son is that he went stark raving mad real damn quick and then died.
2: I mean, but also Sirius had a grudge and, like, a thing that he needed to accomplish. Another thing keeping him going, Mm -hmm. yes. Right, and so, like, I think, you know, yes, it was partly his innocence, but partly, like, he desperately wanted Peter Pettigrew. Like, desperately. And so, I mean, I, I think it also is sort of a little bit more a testament to... His character and who he is, rather than just a he's innocent. But like mm-hmm. I, I think it's an interesting read there.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I mean, he he serious attributes it to his innocence. Um, I mean, he directly
0: necessarily knows. No,
1: no. I mean, he could be saying any number of things. Um, but he he does directly attribute it to his innocence. But I do think that to your point, B J, the fact that he is able to kind of make that mental leap does say something specific about and to and to draw the kind of strength and perseverance that he needs from that does mm-hmm. say something about his character even if we take him at his word that like it it was his innocence that allowed him to keep from going mad because that wasn't a happy thought they couldn't take that away from him um the fact that he latched onto that and kind of got to there says something about his character that is like very specific to Sirius right uh-huh. and
2: and like i think that there was like a a confluence of Sirius's survival because like we know that him being able to turn into a dog like basically they, they didn't focus on him as much so like I, I think mm-hmm. that basically this very young wizard presumably not surviving Azkaban for a particularly long time like isn't enough of a point to being guilty I think it's a pointing to be not an insane person like Sirius
0: <laughs> Fair I mean, it's it's also notable, too, that Sirius is really providing most of this information very secondhand. That he was put into prison apparently very early, or relatively early in, or long enough before that he was only getting a lot of what events that happened with respect to Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch's son, after now he's gotten out and is reading accounts and hearing about them. Yeah. Or just what or just limited things he saw when Barty Crouch's son was brought in. Yeah. This isn't this isn't both not a lot of personal knowledge necessarily and it's also it's serious. Let's consider the man may have a bit of a grudge when it comes to Barty Crouch anyway given that he was without trial thrown in prison by the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's an element of that to bring about too. He also brings up some good points about Crouch and Snape is that Crouch wouldn't cloak and dagger this when it came to Snape. Mm-hmm. He has all the authority of the law. If anything, he wants to make this public because he wants to catch Death Eaters to restore his reputation. He wouldn't be sneaking around in the middle of the night when it came to this. Um, he also gives us some information about Snape's background. I don't think we've ever had really previously. Of that he was a master of curses from a very young age, even more so than you ever would learn in school. That all of his immediate circle of friends were Death Eaters. Um, most of whom are now either dead or in, uh, dead or in um, uh, locked away in prison. And Some way, somehow, he still has Dumbledore's trust, which Sirius wisely makes no effort to try to explain or justify. Mm -hmm. I mean, the other
2: thing is we do know that Snape is a Slytherin, and there might be other houses that have Death Eaters in them, but that has not yet been made clear. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) They they have a corner on that market, it appears. Uh, He also does probably very fairly note that the fact that Mad-Eye was checking out Snape's office means absolutely nothing. That's probably just a Tuesday for him. He's checked out everybody. Mm -hmm. Look look under your bed. There may be a Mad-Eye there right now. Constant Um, vigilance. (laughs) Indeed, (laughs) we'll say. Um, And, yeah, it's a fun distinction to draw at the end about the idea of willingness to murder. That Mad-Eye, he's zealous, he's dedicated, but he always brings home his man alive. Crouch never had that qualm.
2: (laughs) Right. And but I would say willingness to murder is sort of a complicated thing because there's the surprising willingness to like solitary confinement with torture versus <laughs> killing. And I don't I have a hard time being like, well, this person is much more noble for doing it this way. Sure. I, th-
0: I think the big distinction when it comes to this, though, is the official capacity in which you're performing the act. Right. is that these are state-sanctioned individuals acting with the cloak and authority of the law. And from that perspective, mad is not content to kill. That it's not his duty to do so, it's the law's duty to decide punishment and fate. Crouch was Judge Dredd about this and viewed himself as the law in, in terms of what, what punishment he could inflict. Mm-hmm. But that wraps things up for me, which moves us to a very interesting question of who wins and loses this chapter.
1: Yeah, this is a, a little bit of a weird one. <laughs> Um, I actually, I think I, my winner, I actually think is pretty clear for me in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and while relative to other characters, this this character perhaps does not end up at like the highest of highs, but compared to his normal state of existence. He gets to eat some chicken. He gets to eat some chicken. He's hanging out with Buckbeak. Mm-hmm. He gets to see his godson and co. He gets to like talk about the... Uh, weird old days. It's got to be serious as the winner of this chapter, right? M-
0: Manium gets what so. was it? even pu- gets what was it? Pumpkin
1: juice as well. Yeah, he's eating a yeah. feast. Um, so yeah, this seems he's come out of hiding. He gets to actually interact with humans in the world, which we have no evidence that he has been doing thus Teenagers.
0: far. Teenagers. <laughs> Teenagers. <laughs> Important distinction.
1: Humanish. Humanish. Uh, adjacent.
0: Yeah, and I, I like it. I like it too. His justification for doing all this is that he's doing the duties of a godfather. Yes. he's being—he's fulfilling his oath that he failed at before, from his perspective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, he, even his suffering is in service of a mission that he's dedicated to.
1: Yeah. So, loser though, um, is is a little. I mean,
2: I'd
0: put forth Ron.
1: Yeah, Ron is uh, certainly. His, Ron is certainly his a his good crush fallback. His took him down a peg.
0: And he's, he's just, they're constantly sniping at each other the entire chapter in every way they could possibly disagree.
2: And she didn't tell him if she was going to visit Karkarov over in, the break.
0: In mo-
1: in mo- <laughs> visit Krum, not Karkarov. I don't think she's visiting yes, Karkarov. <laughs> but fair.
0: Um, that, that was a funny moment of just sh- her slowly revealing necessary information for the plot. Ron's like, <laughs> What'd you say? Are you going with him?
1: If if she was anyone other than Hermione, I would put Hermione forward because, like, the scene in Potions is a rough one for a teenager yeah. to sort of deal with. But I, we we discussed this a little bit earlier. She is setting up for a cause, so I think she's doing okay. <laughs> she
2: She's sitting in a very comfortable chair with a surprisingly large glass of whiskey, a cigar, and looking at the camera and saying... And I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> this is that moment, yes.
1: Um, so yeah, I think I'm fine with Ron as a loser in this chapter. There weren't like big, big losers over the course of the chapter.
0: You didn't need to cushion it with this chapter. You could have just said, I'm fine with Ron being a loser. Uh,
1: it's It really is the sort of fallback decision. We thought it was going to be Neville was the fallback decision, but he has had some surprisingly good moments. Mm-hmm. Um, Questions?
0: Uh, BJ, you acted like you had a few. I have some. Let's hear them. So,
2: one of the the big problems that supposedly exists in this world, especially related to Voldemort, is not being able to ask somebody questions and get truthful responses. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> we have somebody. Maybe he was the only one that can make it ever and it's only used to terrify harry potter that can make a a truth serum that is super potent and so is is this a we're sticking our fingers in our ears and and making loud noises to pretend that this is not a a catch-all or is there something else going on that's more interesting
1: so what we come to find out that, like, Veritaserum was, in fact, used during the Wizard War, War um, to b- elicit answers from people about various things, um, about what they may or may not have done. Part of the problem, in my understanding, is that the unforgivable curses, and particularly um, the imperious curse, mm-hmm. make things so sticky that sometimes it's unclear... Um, you know, even like in a, the mind of, were you
2: acting under your own volition? I mean, but I guess maybe Imperius makes that questionable. But like, you feel like, like you're
1: acting under your own volition. Is my is well, my Harry understanding? Didn't
2: when he was under it, so well, that's true. But that's... it was also
1: like made clear that that was abnor- abnormal, um, at least within the context of the class, which I realize right. are our yeah, teenagers yeah, yeah. and and is a little you know s- sticky. Yeah. But we do get. So I, I think that there's, there's that going on. So it was used a ton. It is, in fact, famously difficult to make. I don't know who, apart from Snape, can make it. Maybe somebody. Yeah. I don't know. But it is one of those things that, like, become... It, it's, it takes a long time to make. It takes an exceptional amount of skill to make. The, the ingredients are difficult to get a hold of. Um, the other thing that we get nodded towards in this chapter, although it is immediately undercut by uh, Barty Crouch's actions in the world during the Wizarding War is that uh, Veritaserum is like heavily reg- regulated by the Ministry. Um, yeah. Which I think would, uh, to your rare good point, BJ, that I will concede in the world, would make a much stronger case if we did not immediately get the idea that Barty Crouch in- imposed war powers
2: right i i guess that's where i was sort of going with it i mean i just imagine him basically going up on a broom and crop dusting most of england (laughs) and then
0: (laughs) um with the serum spencer i'm just working off what you said bj (laughs)
1: Um, but we do, we actually, so Veritas serum is not one of those things that we only see once or only in one book. Okay. Like it does actually come, come back again. And we get a little bit of an indication of like how rare it actually is, um, as gotcha. well as some of the kind of legal stickiness around it too, um, in later books. So like, this is one of the things that gets fleshed out more. I don't think it'll get fleshed out in ways that answer the question <laughs> you've just posed to me, but I can kick gotcha. the can down the road.
2: Um. And a follow up to that, which might be a question that Spencer wants to ask, which is, what does a wizarding trial look like? We see
1: multiple wizarding trials. Really? Mm-hmm. We see. I'm excited. Yeah, actually, and I mean, I suppose this is a spoiler, but we are we are barreling through this book fairly quickly. Uh, we do see a wizarding trial in this book. Interesting.
0: Like current events, kind of thing.
1: That I'm not willing okay. to say.
0: Um, question about Barty Crash and his authority was i guess this is more a matter of opinion than anything else but was what he was doing properly legal within the scope of his authority or was this one of the things of everyone was kind of afraid to challenge him when he was doing this
1: oh that's that's a good question i think we might get that answered a little bit more later in in the book Um, Hmm. I I hesitate on saying that simply because like the answers that we get come from some questionable and very biased sources. Um, (laughs) But I do... I don't think that we can actually... Whether it was properly legal or not, I don't think that we can actually say that it was people just turning a blind eye to it. Because he had, Uh within the ministry... And within, as we will see, the wizen gamut, like, much and full-throated support for what he was doing. Um, sure. So I assume that it took place during sort of, pro- or through proper legal magical channels. Channels? sorts. Um, I don't know that that's answered ex- explicitly, but we see a lot of evidence later in this book that, like, whether it was proper or not... The legal authority, as it existed, was largely behind him.
0: Gotcha. Good job. Oh. Yes. Heavy sighs. Give me a rough one. This
1: is, these are not sounds I like to hear in the world. I don't see why
2: not. They're they're usually fine. So, is Rita Skeeter actually dictating?
1: Written by Rita Skeeter? Or?
0: That just coded into the to, the to a little note piece? I
1: actually I do think that this is like a weird style guide thing, and I know I said that earlier, but I actually believe that this is a weird style guide thing of Witch Weekly because like we see her, hmm. um, we see her articles in the Daily Prophet at other points right, during this in, that, yeah, that like actively do not do that. Um, right. So I think it's a weird choice in the world, but it has that sort of like.
2: Yeah
1: coming from the mouth of the correspondent who's deep in the trenches sort of thing it right. feels kind of anachronistic but i think that it's actually just like something from this magazine which is very strange
2: um <laughs> and a follow-up to that
1: how do uh
2: wizard photographs get, get produced
1: you mean like mass produced
2: or just does she wander around with a wizard camera like she what has is... a
1: photographer with her okay i mean not uh, obviously not when she's so when she's actually right. writing yeah, yeah, yeah. these pictures.
2: Not when she's snooping, yeah. but like, so is this like a, you know, under a, is this a Polaroid? Is this like a, I guess we'll, we'll see in the movies, but. Yeah,
1: it's I, like a big, giant, old-fashioned camera that this guy is toting fashions. around with him. Like a
2: silver
0: nitrate plate, yeah. kind of deal. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, because technology is weird in the Wizarding World. Magical technology is very strange. What
0: level of actively pursued is Sirius still at this point? Because. You know, mm. last couple books, it was "This is the most wanted man in America" kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, now we have Harry's fears on the subject, but Sirius is almost just outright flippant. It's Sirius, so it's not too much of a surprise. But his basic response is, "Eh, they're not looking for me here."
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question because, like our our um, view on the like outside Wizarding world is so narrow in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's sort of unclear i think that it certainly becomes more clear in later books exactly what that looks like um but there are as you might imagine intervening events that might have changed what the actual answer to that question was by the time that we understand that he is uh is or is not being actively pursued
0: Almost seems like the ministries just keeps on having all hands on deck moments that just keep getting them entirely focused in different directions than what they were on previously, and so everything else just kind of fall into the the wayside, including active criminals on the on the lam.
1: Yeah, they're pretty busy with a missing witch and Barty Crouch doing tournaments, Barty Crouch things and tournaments, and yeah, they still seem to be cleaning up after the World Cup. So it
0: was a rough day.
2: Remind me of many more things, because my mind is like a sieve, apparently. Does Snape know about Peter Pettigrew?
0: Or was Mm. that
2: the, like, things happened in the exact way that Snape was, like, knocked out before? Like, I just can't, can't remember the exact sequence of events Snape didn't see it, I don't think. I don't
1: think he knows about Peter Pettigrew. It's, a, it's a, yeah. a really good question. I think that the events happened because I think that at the end of the last book when he was so vociferously complaining to Dumbledore and like trying mm-hmm. to get the stuff with Sirius straightened out and no, he totally knows about Pettigrew. He was in the room. He went to the Shrieking Shack.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the Shrieking Shack and saw the whole conversation with Pettigrew in the room. And they all escorted the unconscious Snape out. But he was knocked out. I He had to have seen Pettigrew.
2: Okay. I like, I, I guess I don't remember. I will take your word for it because of the three of us, you have happily read this more than once. Um, but this seems like a very weird thing in the world that there's an expanding circle of people that know Pe- Peter Pettigrew exists. And yeah. that's not like... Let's send all of the Aurors after him because, holy shit, Peter Pettigrew is still alive.
1: Um, Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm going to look it it up because I'm pretty sure that we can, like, figure this out. We should know this, and we clearly do not. Um,
2: But, I mean, we can come back to this. I mean, this is just sort of, like, a, a thing in the world that just, like, it seems like it can't be a thing that's known because otherwise a lot of things start unraveling or we just have to like hand wave them away. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Peter Pettigrew dying is like the biggest, basically the the second biggest thing that happens around Harry's birth. Yeah. So anyway,
1: it, hmm. is it possible? <laughs> hmm.
2: I mean, my guess is that like there, there was a, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, Acme, Looney Tunes type music of they were never quite in the room together. That or might whatever. be right.
1: Because like I actually what I was like immediately going to say when we started this conversation was that I thought that um, I thought that when Snape was yelling about Sirius and Harry doing stupid things and all of that at the end of the third book to Dumbledore mm-hmm. that he was completely wrong but he, and he was being a real ass about it, but he legitimately thought.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's my vague memory. I just like, I, I can't put that scene in like, like exactly right. And I'm also trying to be like, all right, well, what did the map say? And did anybody have access to that? because that's so sort Snape, of like the Snape
1: did have access to the map but that specifically Peter and this was it goes back to our earlier conversation about the map oh, Peter the was lab, yeah. already like through the tunnels into the shrieking shack by the time that Snape had picked up the map
2: and i'm sure we asked this before but the map does or doesn't say who the animagus is as an animal
1: it did it does say that they're Peter Peter Pettigrew like it it okay. did list him as peter Um, Because Um, Harry got suspicious about that.
0: Looking back at the scene of when, you know, Snape confronts them, it's really ambiguous when Snape showed up in their confrontation about Peter. Mm Because he's got the cloak on him the entire time. So we don't know how long he's necessarily standing there at the moment he unmasks himself, which makes it all the more ambiguous as to what exactly he heard.
1: But has Pettigrew been transfigured? back no, into a human still, at that point so he might he is not is still a
0: rat known. at that point
1: okay because then snape comes in and eventually they i mean they like knock him out with all of pretty the wands quickly pretty quickly so it's possible that he doesn't know I, th- mm-hmm. I okay i seem to remember that he doesn't know
0: he certainly doesn't bring it up later which you think he would if yeah. he knew that peter was there if yeah. one of his tormentors is back on the block, that's an important thing for Snape to just obsess over for the rest of the series.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that That's all the questions from me. Should we wrap it up there?
1: Yeah, so next time we have uh, chapter 28, The Madness mm-hmm. of Mr. Crouch.
2: And Which is... a very problematic Winky.
0: Winky was having a very rough day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we will we will learn a about a sock, it.
2: which is kind of interesting. And yeah, a fork yeah. coming out of her chest.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that a fork? There's a reason for that. <laughs> I think it's the
0: edge of a scarf, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, look, that's the edge of her. That's the edge of her tunic.
0: <laughs> oh, there we go. There's another similar pattern over next to the bottle. Yeah, that's totally a scarf, scarf.
1: There's not a fork involved in this scene. Um, but there are many bottles and very cute little hiccup bubbles around her. So,
2: well, maybe she'll have to tell the truth about it, well. and we will see next chapter. It's been interesting.
1: Until
0: next time, yo. Yeah.